All right, y'all, part three coming up in just one second with the great Corbin Ford to talk all things NBA here as we wrap up the Friday edition of the program. Thank you, as always, for making the Chase Month Podcast part of your day listen wherever and however you listen to the program here at the Blue Wire Pod Network. We greatly appreciate it. If you missed part one and part two today, guess what? It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. So check us out there. And if you're subscribed, you'll get alerted when all the new episodes pop up each and every day as this is a daily national show. Corbin and I talked all things NBA. We did our seven most interesting uh, deals, uh, moves this offseason by uh, teams around the NBA. Go Bear, DeJounte Murray, Jeremy Grant, Malcolm Brogdon, DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Herter, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So we ranked them and how they're going to impact their teams and just where they're at on a multitude of levels. So it was a really, really fun conversation and exercise, and I think you guys will very much enjoy the conversation. Uh, but yeah, thank you for making the Chase Moms Podcast part of your daily listen as we wrap up here on a Friday. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to the Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this late on a Thursday. Old friend Corbin Ford is back. He's got all these new gigs. He goes to the Las Vegas Summer League. He's doing all the classes. He's now a sports business expert. This is now the last appearance of Corbin before he's working in a front office, whether that's Phoenix, uh, who the Mercury. It could be the Suns. We don't really know. Corbin, good evening, sir. How are you? I am doing well, sir. Thank you again. It's always fun being on your pod, Chase. You already know. Um, appreciate the kind words, but no, I'm excited. It's It's been a minute, and you know, this is where a lot of the fun starts, just talking ball. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, how was Summer League? Uh, how has it been? Uh, we haven't talked in like two months-ish, so what, yeah. uh, what, uh, what, what was that like for you? It was really cool. Um, I was working with Sports Business Classroom and interning with the NBA in summer with Summer League. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot more behind the scenes. Um, and I knew going in that there was a lot of work to kind of make this whole production happen, you know, mm-hmm. between the star players coming by and the fact that it is like an NBA Comic-Con. You know, mm-hmm. you have all these games playing. It was 75 games over 10 days. A lot going on. But behind the scenes did not realize the extent of, of the work that involved mm. and the leadership that was given from top down, the commitment from everyone involved, the long hours, the little sleep, all of that. Um, but it was great. It was fun. Uh, I really learned a lot about myself in terms of what I can and can't do in terms of leadership. Um, hmm. Well, what I could do, because I ended up doing really well. But also for me, it was meeting new people, watching good basketball. I was able to play at Tarkini Academy. Hmm. Um, that was a memorable game. Um, it was an encouraging, encouraging reminder to really, make this year better because I did not play up to my standards, but that's okay because next year exists as of now. So I had a, I had a total blast. I, I really did. Um, hopefully the Lakers are in a better spot next summer league because that kind of marred the experience for me. And I did have hmm. almost literally front row seats to the LeBron on one side, Russ on the other side spectacle. That was one of the Lakers summer league games, but yeah, Chase, you know what? It was a blast. Like it's only been what a week and a half, maybe. Hmm. One, yeah. And it just like, I almost just want to immediately go back, even though it was a lot. It was just you're you're never closer. It feels like to the NBA, to the executives. You know, heard from Jer- the logo Jerry West as you are at summer league. So just a blast. Who who did you run into? Because I've heard I've never been. It's something I should probably do at some point. But mm-hmm. who 
Who did you run into? Like, was there anyone you ran into, like in the elevator, moving around? You're like, is that really who I think it is? And did you talk to that person? Yes, I said hello to everyone. I Mm -hmm. said hello to, um, I passed him, was crazy, literally like walking in one of the tunnels, um, Johnny Davis. That mm. was pretty cool. Um, I dapped up Richard Jefferson. I dapped up Ish Rainwright from the Suns. Mm. Um, the second time. Last year, I saw him last year. This year, I did too. And this year, I was like, hey, Wes, what's up? I ran to Wesley Johnson. Okay. So, Wait, what is he doing cool. now? You know what's funny? I think he's in like player de- – like one of maybe the player development coaches. I don't know. I literally For who? Him. That's a great question. Mm. I I'm not sure. I have to do some more research on that because I didn't know. Like literally when I saw him, he was yeah. walking the concourse. And I was like walking past, like, oh, hey, like, I just, nobody else was, rec- I recognized him. I remembered him. Yeah. Like, you know, Lakers, small forward, you know, 2015, like 2016. Lakers, small forward. Syracuse Orange being <laughs> great. Wesley Johnson. I knew someone was going to say that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I remember him with the Lakers specifically because, you know, that's how I look at it. But right. no, Minnesota Timberwolves, he, you know, had a, what, almost a decade career. Um, but the point being is, like, yeah, seeing him, um, Aaron Brooks. Um, okay. I forgot what team he's working, but he's definitely working. He's a coach, I feel like. I feel like yeah, I saw him on the bench with somebody. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to, I, I want to say the Nets. I don't know. I don't want to go I'm out not there sure wrong, but I feel. I feel like it's yeah, the Nets. It might Is he be. a Nets guy? You know, now you maybe look up. And see. I, I got to look this up. You look yeah. up Wesley Johnson while I'm looking up Aaron okay. Brooks. Cool, there we cool, go. Cool. Uh, he is the Knicks. Like Wait. Yeah. He is the Westchester Knicks assistant coach. There you go. Okay. Huh. And then. Johnson is a player development for the Clippers. Hmm. So okay. there you go. All right. <laughs> Look at how quick that was. There you are. But yeah, so it was really cool to see them. Um, and like I said, this casual environment, like, you know, running by, um, I mean, I didn't, it wasn't a player, but Dave Mineman, mm-hmm. you know, saw him as well. Um, I forgot her name, but she does uh, NBA 2K TV and was like a journalist. She did some work with mm-hmm. the, um, Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I'm gonna look it up now because it's not like popping up to me. But oh, no. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, one. Alexis Morgan. There you go. Oh, is she not with the Grizzlies yeah. anymore? No, I mean to a 2K. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So ran into her as well. It was really really cool. There's a lot of folks and um oh uh, Joel Anthony. There you go. Another one. Uh, Joel so, Anthony. <laughs> Joel Anthony. I'm not yeah. gonna ask you what he's doing. We don't need to get sidetracked on what he's doing. Oh yeah, doing. no, it's cool. Yeah, it was. <laughs> No, but it was really fun. It was really fun, and, you know, it's exciting. It's, I, I tell you, Chase, if you can go down there, even for a couple of days. I mean, I was there for 12 days in Vegas. That's way too long. Um, but for, like, a few days to kind of just experience some of the games and who you'll run into that's literally going to be right next to you, like, the level of access is something that, I mean, they say you can't get anywhere else, and, like, quite literally, you can't. Like, you're not going to be running by these people in the, in the – I mean, without just an everyday person. You know, it's not going to happen at the All-Star game. You know, maybe – randomly out on the street but it was really cool to have it in such an environment where basketball is literally like the life beat the heartbeat of the event that's cool man uh in terms of basketball hoopers from the media team who did you who showed out who is the best like media basketball player that you saw you know what's funny i'm not gonna it surprised me but damon Mendman hit a couple threes hmm a nice shooter I, I think like he's played some college like he had he had he had some nice moves to him um okay trying to think of another media member i didn't really see a whole lot and there was it was funny because at the um at the uh 
Tarkanian Academy, it was a lot of like us NBA podcasters and like draft mm-hmm. guys. So we had like the Upside Swings podcast guy. You had um Keandre from Hoop Intellect. Mm-hmm. Like all of us were out there playing ball. Keandre can hoop. The Upside Swing guys can as well. So really cool seeing the guys that you know we're we're, we're covering Lee. We're kind of watching these players. Like we also can play. Maybe nowhere near the level of the people that we are scouting and like you know analyzing. But mm-hmm. there's some hoops to be had there too. Um, but those were the standouts for me. Like those are it was a really um fun time seeing that happen uh i wish i could have seen more media i i did see little hmm. shooter um and all i'm gonna say i don't want to get in trouble or anything but <laughs> like lethal shooter is produced like the, the producers for lethal shooter do an amazing job of making him seem more lethal than he is it was like oh. watching like slightly deadly shooter like oh. like i was shocked yeah so when i saw him work with anthony day i wish i hadn't actually seen him shooting hmm and then just saw him work with Anthony Davis. I saw him for like at least 20 minutes. Mm. And I, I mean, and you know, shooters have bad days, but like maybe I saw the one bad day and if so, okay. But mm. it was not pretty. Ooh. What kind of player are you in pickup? What what is your what is your skill set? What do you do? I'm gonna say Sean Marion. Down to the shot. Hmm. I don't have, actually, it's not as. Uh, Wait, does your I, shot look like Sean Marion? No, it doesn't. I was going to say, okay. actually, it's more like it, it comes from, I, I, I shoot is weird because yeah. I. I mean, I can't, I can't uh like my i'm a lefty and my shot looks weird and i learned how to shoot like the worst thing that ever happened to me like i played high school like and all that i played aau and like they never adjusted my shot so my shot is low like i start super low and it looks so weird because i'm a lefty and it starts low and i'm i'm the same chase Mm -hmm. left-handed starts low they never changed it because it was working yeah, you know, which and is so a mistake. They, they should have done that. They really should have. Like, I don't like like even when it goes in. I, I hate shooting around. I'm like, yeah, it looks weird, but like it mm. works. You know what I mean? But like, it it, it it's a low shot. It yes. kind of goes up, start, starts at the waist, and yes. then comes out more like a push set. Exactly. Yeah, it's like it. It's really it's a rise and fire. It's not a yes. like, which is so weird because if you catch it like you like someone's driving to kick it and you're in the corner, like if you catch it at your chest and they're going to your chest so that you go up you catch it your chest and you're going down like instinctively yep, for no reason you're my, like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a routine it's yeah. a routine you get in my pocket but you don't realize my pocket's always going to be like down <laughs> yeah <my> go <laughs> low <laughs> because that's how i'm gonna rise so like that's how um that's how i play i mean but i rebound um left handy a left-hander so i think i'm like pretty i'm pretty good with the left hand i got yeah. some moves on the right hand i could post up a little bit um kind of a little bit of everything but i wouldn't say like like yeah the shot is one thing that like Especially if I'm feeling it, if it's going in, I really don't care what people think because, like, the shot's good. Exactly. Um, if it isn't, then I do feel a little self-conscious about it. Like, for example, I didn't really get to shoot a lot at Tarkini. I could have shot, but mm-hmm. one, I was playing with better shooters, and I'm like, I'm not going to embarrass, potentially, mm-hmm. you know, draw the ire of these folks when I got shooters to my left and right. So I was really more like a – Were you pressing? On defense? Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Like, yeah, were you so- pressing? Were you full court pressing this man? Or, oh, no, no, I was not. <laughs> okay. No. See, this I, is where yeah. I would run into problems because that's what I do. Like, that's how oh, I stayed on the okay. core is like, I'm going to, I mean, this is now easy for me to say because I'm 31 and the LA fitness runs and everything after college, you can only do those for so many years in the blacktop basketball in Atlanta where Catch one day you here. wake up and your knees don't work anymore and your back hurts and you can't play pickup for two hours. How old are you, Corbin? Some 26. Okay. You got like, not scare you. You got like, two three years left Yikes. of consistent Thank pickup you <laughs> you got like, <laughs> i'm just gonna go ahead and prepare you there's yeah. gonna come a point where you're like oh i can't do two hours of pickup anymore it's like a one saturday a week type oh, deal is, that's that's coming because that's, like that's on its way it, it's just on its way think about it like with nba players even with all the stuff that they have at their disposal to keep this thing going and play a lot of minutes 
they enter those early 30s, mid early to mid 30s, and then everything starts going and everything starts hurting. And we don't have access to any of that. So our yeah. bodies just break down even faster. <laughs> and yeah. nothing's like, keeping us moving like that. Yeah. So it's uh it's a different kind of thing. I love what was I saying about that? Oh, but that was like my my calling car was like uh, just being in shape in threes and drawing fouls and just playing really, really tough defense. And it, it's mm. just if you want to piss somebody off and pick up, press yeah. when it's like three one and just really get up <laughs> like really get up in them and be like you're not scoring for the rest of this game and like really get that because i talk trash like i'm a totally different too. person when i play basketball like i mm-hmm. was always a totally different person it would embarrass my family sometimes because i would I, it's just a, it's a funny thing because who i am on the basketball court in a competitive setting versus anywhere else it's completely different but for whatever reason like that's just i mean it was when i was undersized like when you play undersized and people don't take you seriously because i was like i went from I mean, probably like five four, five five to five eleven, pretty quick. But it was late, wow. so it was like I learned to play basketball small. So when you learn playing small, you're just you have to learn how to take a beating, and you ha- kind of have to you kind of have to be you have to find your niche and you have to find your way to stay on the court. And for me, and travel and everything else was shooting and just playing really hard defense. And that was that was it. And I was just like, I'm going to press and I'm going to annoy the living crap out of these dudes. And that's what I did. I mean, listen, if that's the claim to fame, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I didn't, I didn't press in Vegas because I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I have not played basketball like that in a couple yeah. months. I was out of shape, um, especially for the level of ball that they were doing. Yeah. It, was, it was everything I had just to like get up and down the court, make some nice passes. I did a couple like driving dish and I felt good about yeah. that. But like I said, it's motivation for next year because like I'm starting Sunday. Like I'm, I'm back at it. You know what I mean? First of the month, Monday, we're going to be getting our shots up. Okay. However low form it may be. You know what I mean? Like it's going to work. No, but I'm also like that. Like I'll talk trash. I just talk. You know, okay. so I don't even really care. Um, but like, yeah, that was it was motivation. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, Chase, if you happen to find your way down next year, you know, it's our, it's it's an official thing. Yeah, so it's gonna happen. You know, let's, you know, people's come see my people. Let's make this thing a, you know, let's get some um, full court defense up. And I was gonna say I can go point. viral for summer league where like they might not allow me back, and they're like, who's this guy? <laughs> like this dude out here pressing like the the ncaa national championships on the line what is happening what is he yeah, doing like there's money in the game but i can't do it like i can't i cannot casually play basketball that is not something that's in my dna i cannot play a pickup game casually that's just not, and that's I, not I, yeah you want to play to win you know right. it's like competitive fire if, I, if i'm not playing to win i'm not really playing like even yeah. if i'm playing i'm not really playing i'm just for sure cardio. you know what i mean i gotta be detached Oh, yeah, 100%. I think for me, the last serious pickup game I played was back in Atlanta three years ago now. And like I played some two on two here in Knoxville and stuff like that in half court, but like nothing to the extent um, that I was running in Atlanta, like full court and just playing three to four nights a week and stuff. And I remember the last thing I did, and this is one of the perks of being a writer in your mid twenties is just that uh, you don't have health insurance. And when I came around to pick this uh, person who was also in the game, stuck their leg out and oh. I, my leg got caught up. So like mine, I flipped cause I'm like going around the screen and I don't know that their legs right there. So my leg just twists my knee twists. I yelled like I thought I tore my ACL like right there because of the movement and it was a dirty play. 
Yeah. And I really thought I tore my, and I'm like, I can't tear my ACL. I don't have health insurance. What am I going to do? Like, I'm just like, I can't be seriously hurt. I'm working. Like, I cannot be doing this. Like I'm bartending at this point. I'm like, I have to wow. walk. Like I got to walk around. Yeah. That scared me to no end where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, as much as I love it, like I had to ice it and I was gone for a couple of days and mm. I never got it, it tested. So I don't wow. know, but I am terrified of playing full court again. Like I just, it's crazy, but until you get yeah. that injury scared all over again, because I've banged knees and stuff like that, and that's one of the worst feelings in human history that you can do is banging somebody else's knee coming off a pick or something. But um, yeah, that I, freaked me out, man. It's horrible. No, I got I got one just like that, and it's 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 just as bad. So college, mm-hmm. um, there was a leader like a leadership academy. It's called Leadership, and yeah. this was done in ASU. Mm-hmm. And so I was at ASU for a week. And, you know, it was just team building activities the entire time. It's all we're doing. And it's like, okay, cool. But I saw those basketball court and I kept saying, like, mm-hmm. we gotta play basketball. Like, we gotta make this happen. <laughs> I started making friends with some other people in the, in the, in the course. I'm like, can you ball? You can't ball. I'll ball you up. Like, I'm like starting this up, right? Mm-hmm. So it all came to a head. We had finished like one of our outdoor activities early and we had like 15 minutes left. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so can we ball? And they were like, sure. So we grabbed the ball, we get to it. Mm-hmm. Your boy, I didn't go stretch, didn't didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I went and started playing. We're playing well. We're getting the back, forth, all of it. Yeah. I go up. I'm running down the baseline, pull up on the wing, get the pass, go for a shot. And I feel like I had a Charlie horse in the back of my thigh. And, like, it, it's funny. When I actually am in rhythm and I get the ball, I can jump and shoot. Like, you know, uh-huh. I start that low. I'm already kind of springing to my spot and my body's doing what it needs to do. I went down like I was shot. And like there was a lump in the back of my thigh, mm-hmm. and I kept thinking it was three days left in his leadership course. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking it's a Charlie horse, like yeah. And so what we do growing up, a lot of salt water or or Gatorade, and you punch it, mm-hmm. like you punch it to try to get that thing back in shape. And so I was drinking Gatorade, and mm-hmm. it was so much pain. I was going to the biggest people I knew, saying, "Can you punch my thigh as hard as you can?" And they were pounding the heck out of it. Nothing yeah. working. I finally was able, I couldn't even sit in the chair. Like the lump was so big back of my thigh, I couldn't sit in the chair for the rest of the course. And it was an overnight thing. So I was asking the, like the, the nurse there to like give me pain medicine to like, at least let me get through the last three days. Fine. Finally get back home, go to the doctor. Very first thing on a Monday. Turns out there was extensive bruising due to all the punching that was done to my thigh. And it wasn't a Charlie horse. I had tore my hamstring. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> It was it was horrible because I was like, how stupid am I? Like, and so the doctor, like, we they were looking at it like, wow, well, it looks like yeah, it's gonna take some time. Like, gave me the whole diagnosis. They're like, yeah, so you might not have as much strength on your right leg, like on your right thigh as you were like on your left. And I was like, oh, like it's like this is like for how long? And he's like, well, this is a life thing. I was like, oh, <laughs> like I didn't know. And so it's funny. Every once in a while, I like go to my right hand to make a layup. And like one, two, and not get as much elevation and be like, oh, yeah, thanks, Corbin. <laughs> That's oh, the craziest man. story I have. So when you say the no health insurance, yes, but also just not being smart and like yeah. diagnosing injuries when they happen. And that's why you stretch beforehand. You're right. Like NBA yeah. players have state of the art, all of this, but like at the very basic, at the very bare minimum, take care of your body. I was like, <laughs> let's go. And yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> this is a good PSA podcast. Um, oh, we're doing amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, ostensibly, this is an NBA podcast, uh, Corbin, but <laughs> we had to reconnect. We had to catch up. Uh, we did. It's been a little bit. So, 
Um, I thought this would be a fun idea where we do the biggest offseason moves and how we rank them in importance where I have seven that I'm going to go seven to one. And I want to get your perspective. If you agree, should they move up? Why? Why not? And whether or not you think this was a, a good move for this particular team to make. Does that sound good? Sounds amazing. Let's do it. Okay. Number seven. Contavious Caldwell Pope to Denver. So Denver sacrifices two important rota- rotation pieces over the last couple of years. Monty Morris, Will Barton, uh, KCP locked in. So you're doing a two for one there a little bit. Um, this is one of those things where on the surface to a lot of folks, like it seems like the general response to this has been positive for Denver, where it's like, okay, KCP has won a title. He's just someone else that you can count on late. And Will Barton has had a lot of injury issues. You have had a lot of point guard depth behind Jamal Murray, but Jamal Murray is also coming back next year. So he'll be healthy. So you're expecting him to play 36 plus minutes tonight. So it's like, ah, well, we can find a backup point guard. We don't have to overpay for Monty Morris, who was a really, really good fill in. And it's one of the best six men in basketball year over year. I still think this is a pretty important move for the Nuggets because these kind of moves are kind of terrifying. Where like one of the biggest things about the Nuggets in the last couple of years is just that like they have been able to survive losing Jamal Murray, losing Michael Porter Jr. because of their depth. They are sacrificing some depth here. Like Monty Morris, you know what you have. And Will Barton is a good glue guy. Contavious Cobble Pope, like we'll see how he fits in. We'll see what that looks like. But they have sacrificed some depth. So I am curious to see how he fits in with this group um and if he closes with this team if like what his role is if it's like a just seamless kcp jamal murray aaron gordon michael porter jr Nikola Jokic five because that is a really good veteran mix of win now guys like that is a lineup that you could see in the finals like i i could see that but what we've seen the last couple years there's a reason miami is knocking on the door of the finals every year now it's because they're depth like there is a reason that they are going to keep doing that and keep finding ways to just bounce back and people are going to discount them. There's a reason the Lakers did not make the the playoffs this past year, Corbin. Yes. And there is. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason that the Clippers still made the play in, which is they were able to survive without there because they are so freaking deep. You have to with how much basketball has been played the last couple of years from the bubble on. These guys are gassed and you need bodies. So I am always going to be wary of teams who do the, we're going to save some money and we're going to just get the better name mm-hmm. and sacrifice some depth, some bodies. And I, wh- what do you think about KCP in that, in that point? No, I agree. I think it's something to be said uh, for not only having solid depth, but also experience. I'm a player who is just still just 29, you know, still mm. in whatever his prime is as a, as a role player. Um, championship experience, what he has done with the Lakers in that bubble in 2020. Uh, one could argue, I'm not, I don't think it's an argument to be made, that he was the third most important player on that team uh, mm. next to LeBron and AD during that entire playoff run. The guy consistently brought it in the conference finals against Denver in the, in the finals against the Miami Heat. So you're also getting a player who shot, you know, between 38 and 40% from three over the last three seasons. That's a guy who's also played point guard mm. nominally at times. And with Nicole Jokic, you know, you don't really need a point guard of the traditional sense, but a guy who could literally bring the ball up and get it into Jokic to run the action. KCP can do that. He can spot up along the wing. He can spot up around the three-point line. He's able to do a little kind of pump fake and go. Like, he's a solid shooting guard. 
um, and, and a guy who can play between the one and the three. You know, you primarily want him at the two, kind of undersized defensively the three, not really a point guard the one, but defensively can kind of swing between those three and can do a decent job of it. And so you give him the type of player that, yeah, for Denver, that's great. Like you said, it's going to add to that depth. You know, he's going to play alongside Jamal Murray perfectly. Could be a great fit uh, with Michael Porter Jr., with Jokic, with Aaron Gordon um, coming off the bench. Wherever you want him, he's going to be like a perfect kind of blend in. Like, you see, like, the type of earth-shaking, you know, monumental piece. No, we wouldn't be talking about right now if he were. But mm-hmm. he is the type of piece that you go, wow, okay. Like, that smooths over potential weakness or that shores up, you know, uh, a little bit of depth that was lacking or – it's just a better fit than Monte Morris. You don't need a traditional point guard when you have a point guard on the floor almost 100% of the time between Jokic and Murray. Yeah, I I think it's it's going to be one I'm really, really excited about. And I don't think we'll know if this is a good one until playoff time. I don't know. This is one. Interesting. I think this is a regular season. They'll be fine. We won't really notice it. But come playoff time where it's like, oh, there are only six to seven guys deep now. Like this is not the same Nuggets team anymore where – all right, like this is your this is our five and we're going to live and die and we're going to see what happens with this five. And if it's enough shooting, like I am curious to see if this will be enough shooting with this group. But um, we we shall see. Number six. This might surprise some folks. Kevin Herter in a salary dump to Sacramento. I suddenly you look at the wing depth and it's Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter. And Keegan Murray, who you saw in person, show out in summer league, older player, so polished, yeah, ready to score, ready to be a filling guy, just filling the stat sheet. He's gonna get fifteen four and four a night. Like he's not gonna expect to be a superstar next to De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Sabonis. But you look at it, I think Herder was a sneaky important thing. Where he, as someone who's watched a lot of Kevin Herder in my, in my time in Atlanta. He is a glue guy. Like that's just what he is. He is not when the the Clay Thompson stuff was always silly. It's like you just you got to watch the two. It, a he's not the defender and he's not even close. But it's also just that like he's not that kind of shooter. He's he doesn't have that mindset where he's got to get in the corner. Or he's got to ru- come off this screen or he's like, hey, I haven't scored in a little bit. I need to go do some stuff. He's yeah. great on those little uh, where he starts in the basket and does like a little curl around the elbow. Like he loves those and he's a good shooter off the dribble. He's a good he's he's a good three-point shooter but he's just not someone who's ever going to have that score 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 mindset he doesn't have that in him mm. but with De'Aaron Fox and Amanda Sabonis I think surrounding those two with three shooters like Keegan can shoot Kevin Herter can shoot and Harrison Barnes can shoot I look at that and I'm like that closing five just it's pretty it like it's veteran heavy like outside of Keegan who's an older player I yeah. look at that and I'm like I think the Kings are a playing team at, at worst with this group. So I think Kevin Herter kind of solidified that wing depth they kind of needed to address. And they did it without really having to give up anything. And they got the Hawks where Hawks just needed to move some salary. And unfortunately, Kevin Herter was the guy they had to move. They had to pick basically between Bogey and Herter. And I think they made the right choice. But um, I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? I think it's interesting. I mean, between Bogan Herter for first, I mean, I thought that's the topic we're talking about, but I like, I liked Herter just because a younger player and a guy who brings more of the defensive end. But I agree with your analysis of him. And I mean, you are the ATL expert, like you would know, like how Herter plays. Um, I did think it was interesting. It's a nice mm-hmm. uh, fit from a front court, like you said, from a wing spot, specifically just the small forward spot, because yeah. Harrison Marlins face at this point of his career, more of a power forward. Keegan mm-hmm. Murray looked more like a bigger forward, more of a power forward. So he kind of got that on lock. 
Mm-hmm. And Keegan Prime probably swing. And yes, Harrison Barnes can swing. But now you can play a guy at the three in Herter who will at least reasonably hold his position well. And let's face it, you know, you have DeMontis Sabonis, you have De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. Those are two main offensive hubs anyway. Whether you like them as offensive hubs or not, it's another story, but they are. So mm-hmm. you don't need players to then be more assertive with those two on the floor. Harrison Barnes, quintessential play finisher. Keegan yeah. Murray has shown, if nothing else, that he can finish plays, whether it's shooting from deep you know, or finishing around the basket. Malik Monk, he thrived in that last year with Los Angeles. And now you also have Kevin Herter, who did the same thing with Atlanta over the last couple of years. So mm. I do like how it fits, you know, whether or not the the construction is perfect in terms of whether you believe in the players running the show. Mm. The idea is sound, you know, it, it's like me saying, OK, you know, I want to do uh I don't know, a monster pick and roll combo centered around Jamal Murray and I don't know, DeAndre Aiden. Let's just mm. say that. Like, whether or not you believe in those two players, you know, having a big man, you know, who can finish around the basket along with a guard who can score at all three levels as an ideology is the sound one. And I mm. think that same can be said for the Sacramento Kings and how they are playing this, you know. Uh, defensively, I think Herter's okay. Um, at the three, they're you know, with his size, I think there's very few matchups that he'll be exploited by. And so, you know, you look at a Kings team that's trying to make the playoffs <laughs> yet again, a year, who knows how long. I think they are a better position to do so with the addition of Herder. Yeah, I mean, think about this. It's Fox, Herder, Barnes, Keegan, and Sabonis, right? That's your five. And you mentioned Malik Monk, who I think was another underrated signing. And you saw a lot of him in LA, and he was a pleasant surprise there. Well, he was so Rashawn pleasant. Holmes is back, who is just a great big, like he just is just a one of the perfect kind of backup bigs where he's like in my Dwayne Dedman zone where Dwayne Dedman was just a perfect pick and pop big who can play 12 to 14 minutes a night. And he's always going to be a plus in your plus minus in the box score. I, I miss Dwayne Dedman all the time in Atlanta. Um, there's a reason he plays important minutes uh, from the Miami heat. I think Rashawn Holmes is a different version of that where he's just the rim running, the rebounding. He serves a purpose and he does something that matters uh, for 12 to 14 minutes a night when he's on the court, he should be your rim running 36 minutes a night big but he is someone who can play in your rotation and then of course you have um Damian, uh, davion mitchell who we haven't mentioned yet who really really yes. flashed as a defender so when you look at that you have him and then you obviously have the flyers like in the jeremy lamb maybe he's healthy and fine next year but like mm-hmm. they have eight or nine guys that i think you can trust and it's not a young team i think people just they look at the kings as a younger team because they've been rebuilding and losing it's like they're not young like they're even really keegan are. murray they're all the young guys are gone and De'Aaron Fox is older now. Like this is a team that should win a lot more than 30 games next year. And I think Kevin Herter will be a really good player for them uh, next year. And I think uh, the wing depth is going to be fun. I think the Kings will be a fun watch. Um, Number five, and this might surprise you that he's not higher up on this list, but biggest offseason move number five for me, uh, DeAndre Ayton returning to the Suns. He did not make my top four. I, I just don't think it matters. Like I, in terms of who I have in front of him, where I think the Suns would have been fine. Uh, this is going to be maybe too much of a take, but like, uh oh, here we go. I mean, Clint Capella, Miles Turner. I don't think they're all that concerned about the five spot. Like they're like, we'll pay you, and we're fine with you, and like you're a good player. You're not a max player, but you got a max offer sheet, so we'll we're not losing you for nothing. But he's not a needle mover. Like, it's still just like if it comes down to Chris Paul's health, uh, Mikhail Bridges continuing to evolve, uh, Devin Booker continuing to evolve. And, you know, that's about it. Like, that's what they have to do. And I just, 
I, I don't look at DeAndre Aiden like as that big of it. Like he swings where they can go next year. I think there's a reason that they were, and eh, we're not giving you the max. Like we're just not a believer because like I am just terrified of bigs who, and I like when the Atlanta rumors were popping up, I'm like, he's not a better fit in Atlanta than Clint Capella. Clint Capella knows exactly what he is with Trey Young and the Spanish pick and rolls. And he knows exactly rim run. He and Trey have a great relationship. He knows what he is. He has skill sets. Like he's a great rebounder, great finisher, that sort of thing. Good at blogging shots when he's healthy and all that. DeAndre Aiden doesn't have an elite skill. Like that hasn't happened yet. Like he's not an elite rebounder. He's not an elite getting to the rim guy. He's not an elite defender. He's a good defender. He's a good scorer. He is good at a lot of stuff. He's not even a good three point corner three shooter. He's not like he's just good at a lot of stuff. And I just worry about bigs who are either not like it's like you're either Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic and then we're like we'll max you out and build the offense around you mm-hmm. or you better be like Rashawn Holmes Clint Capella or um, insert just other roaming big here that's just three and D like rim running like he's just not one of those so he's in this weird middle ground that I don't know really all that matters like for where phoenix is going and like i wouldn't be surprised if he's not on this roster after the trade deadline like i I still don't think this is a marriage that's built to last but you're in phoenix you've seen a lot more of deandre than myself do you think he should be higher am i under am i underplaying deandre ayton's impact to the suns year over year I don't think so. I think, I mean, for just from just being in Phoenix, I mean, it's kind of like mixed. Like, I think he, you bring him back. I mean, mm. he's a young center. He has shown potential. He has produced, like, big reason why you're after the finals, you know. At the same time, I don't, like, you haven't seen him. Like you said, he hasn't really significantly stepped up in a major way. Like, okay, one of the preeminent centers in our league at insert here. You know yeah. what I mean? It hasn't happened. Now, for me, I don't know if part of it is just the fact that when you have a point guard like Chris Paul, it kind of marginalized centers, almost like if you have another guy who can create off the ju- off the dribble with some, you know, uh, from scratch creation playing alongside mm-hmm. LeBron. Like certain players, like your skill set is just just severely kind of mitigated or limited because the type of player that they are, you know. So like you're not going to dump the ball into DeAndre Ayton and say do something with the post. Now while Chris Paul is the point guard, you know what I mean? Well, I have a I have a stat for you on that. All right, let's get it. True or false? JaVale McGee had a higher usage percentage than DeAndre Aiden last year in Phoenix. No, no, don't tell. Don't yes. yes. 19.3 for JaVale McGee, 18.5 for DeAndre Aiden. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's not a factor. 18.5 usage rate? That's insane. Devin Booker's up to 30. Like, that's the superstar mm-hmm. average. 18 is, like, less than DeAndre Hunter. And, that's like, what, that's like a Tony Snell getting cardio in. Like, that is that's, nothing. That's true. But how much of that do you put on Aiden? For is he not being more aggressive, and how much you put that on the guys who demand the ball? Like so many Phoenix Suns games, I felt like it was okay. Booker, you're a number one option. All right, cool. Chris Paul, number two. Mm. All right, cool. Third, mm, let's see. Jay Crowder, uh, Mikael Bridges. Uh, hey, campaign, you. Hey, campaign at twenty percent. Yeah. That's exactly. So it's like I just don't think he was put in a position where yes, like you could say it's kind of like it's not a great marriage, like you said. Mm. You could say, and I would argue with you. I would agree with you that. He's not doing enough. He's not raising mm. his game to a bigger level. I also don't think that he's been given the the the, the runway to do so. It's not like okay, Aiton, you're our guy. You know, the mm. last outward sign of support was from Chris Paul when he said we're going to get Aiton that back. Fast mm. forward now, and yes, he got it, but courtesy of Indiana, not courtesy of Chris Paul. So, like, 
I feel like you're right in terms of the future here not being great, and I like where you have him ranked because okay, he's back, and he like hearing what he's been saying. You know, he didn't really kind of lay to rest that him and, and Coach Monty Williams have smoothed things over. Mm-hmm. He said that their relationship is peaceful, whatever that means. Um, our relationship is peaceful. Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand what that means. You know what I mean? Um, you do have the hard feelings that, you, yeah, you had to wait. Some said, we're going to, you know, we, we care about you, but we're going to wait till someone else wants you, and then we'll show you that we want to keep you. That that's that, Ego-wise, that just not is going to be good. You can say all the right things, but actions speak louder than words, and I think we all saw the action that was taken toward DeAndre Ayton. So I agree with you. Like, Okay, and so if he is back, do you pick up where you left off? You know, like you still got to erase the demons of that game seven against Dallas. Um, let's say you're able to do that. Let's say, you know, we're moving on from then. Is he in a long term? Because that is a lot of money, and we know the Suns already didn't want to commit to him to begin with, as we've seen. So it just brings up more questions than answers. I think that you're right. Like this this signing was just kind of – it had to be done, and now we are fully leaning into the, the fallout, I think, that's going to happen here with uh, Aiden and Phoenix. Well, it tells you everything you need to know that Indiana was the big bidder. A team rebuilding, um, going through a long-term rebuild, was the only one willing to really throw the max at him. Like, it wasn't like everybody was jumping crawl, jumping over each other trying to give DeAndre in the max. Like, you look at, I'm telling you, like, when you, folks, when you watch the cleaning the glass, or go through cleaning the glass stuff, because, like, the eye test says he doesn't really impact the game in a significant way. And everyone, like, the one thing you could cite is what he did in the playoff run where they got to the finals. Like, that was the Aiton that is valuable. Like, the Aiton where he was a monster defensively. And he was an awesome, awesome rim protector. And he was just a rim runner and just had so many oops from Chris Paul. Like, he was playing like Clint Capella uh, with Houston, uh, Chris Paul at that point. But that's not who he was again last year. And that's not who he wants to be. So, I just think it's one of those things where I think Aiton might be a lot better player like six years from now. When he realizes he's not a Joel Embiid upside guy where he needs to be... Dwayne Dedman and just live in that vortex. And I just, he's too young. Like, I don't think he, he still sees himself and I get it. Like you're young. You were the number one overall pick. You were went ahead, Luca and Trey and company. Like you still see yourself as a franchise guy. He's just not like the Deandre Aiden can be a good player. Who's not a franchise guy. Like his contract's bad. His contract is not what he's worth. And it like, I just don't think the Suns are going to keep him long-term. Like if you go through it, like his, he's in the zero percentile in offensive rebound percentage Jeez. on offense. Like he doesn't, it just, you go through it and I'm like, I just don't see it. The numbers don't like him that when you watch the games, you're just like, I don't know. I, I don't know where he goes and what the right move is for him, but I also just really don't see him in, uh, in Phoenix for the long term, maybe the Knicks are like, "Hey, we we're we're doing some stuff. We'll we'll bring him into the fold too, and we'll give you the Knicks." <laughs> That'll well, you be just watch that Mitchell Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, I don't know, like Julius Randall. I don't know. I very unlikely. And I don't think uh, they want to get in the Julius Randall business uh, outside <laughs> of a career renaissance in New York this year. But he might not even be in New York. He might be in Utah. We'll see. Um, number four for me: Malcolm Brogdon to Boston. Um, Malcolm Brogdon is a great theoretical basketball player and I very much like Malcolm Brogdon. He's in the top four for me where it's like, if he's healthy, he's an extremely interesting move for Boston. Like if he is who he is at his best, like those best Milwaukee years for Boston, they did not have a player like that. They have tried with the young guys, the Nismas, the Pritchards, this, that, and the other. Now they just have a veteran. They know can do it. 
who you know, like everybody respects. He's a player. He's different. He gets to the rim. He's a completely different kind of watch. I love Malcolm Brogdon as a player. Malcolm Brogdon has not played consistent basketball in a very long time. And the injury stuff is real. And Boston got thinner. Like this is a thin, thin rotation now. And this is without trading for Kevin Durant. Like if they trade Jalen and company for Kevin Durant, it's like, oh, they're definitely not coming back to the finals. There's not enough pieces. They're down to like six or seven guys max come playoff time. And you, I just think we've seen to get through a hundred plus game gauntlet. You can't survive like that. You just can't. Jason Tatum was out of gas in the playoffs, like in the finals, completely out of gas. I am very curious to see how Malcolm Brogdon works in Boston. So he's in my top four because I do think he is a big deal if healthy because Marcus Smart, as great as he was, like taking pressure off of him. And I like that combination of Smart and Brogdon. Like if they're able to close with Smart, Brogdon, Tatum, Brown, and Horford or Robert Williams, depending on the matchup, that is a really, really good spot to be in. That is a five-man lineup that I very much love, but it's it's theoretical. I, I just, I don't know. It's a very, it's a bigger boomer bust thing than I think a lot of people are picking up on. What do you think? I, I mean, you know what? You you are enlightening me because I actually was more positive on that side mm. um, for Brogdon and Boston. I think that, for one thing, you're right. The injuries have been a big thing. He's never crossed the 2,000-minute mark in his career. Uh, shout out to Sports Social for that. He's had the last three seasons playing under 60 games for the most of playing under 58 games, 57 games. Like, he's maxed out at 56 mm-hmm. with a 54-game season, a 36-game season in between. Um, but, you know, three years ago, he was nearly a 50-40-90 player. So when he is on the floor, he's healthy. You think if you have to assume that big of a role, he had, you know, higher responsibilities in Indiana that he won't be asked to bring in Boston. So maybe that will will, will help him out in terms of not having to put too much of a load on his body um, mm-hmm. in terms of constantly creating the offense, you know, as we've seen from him over the last couple of years. And also, I think that you're looking at a team that's still going to be driven um, as long as, you know, Jalen Brown is on that team by Jason Tatum and mm-hmm. Jalen Brown. And then you still have Marcus Moore's going to get his shots. You still have Derek White as well, Al Horford, Danilo Gallinari. Like they're not, I don't, they're, they're thin because a few of their players are injury risks. Mm-hmm. But in terms of him being in a position to thrive, he's not going to have to create a lot of offense for these guys because Tatum and Brown are almost either primary or sub primary offensive hubs onto their, onto them, onto their own, you know? And then instead of Derek White getting those shots now and he's, I'd say an average offensive player. He gets pushed down another rung and those shots go to Malcolm Brogdon, who I think is going to be amazing as that third player. You know, now you're putting your third or fourth best perimeter player on him. Again, the gravity to the rim with Robert Williams, the pick and pop shooting with Al Horford and now Grant Williams. You mm-hmm. know, I think that he's going to be in a position to thrive. I think it really all depends on his health. But as far as the role, I do like it. I do think it makes Boston potentially more dangerous. Again, the big asterisk is the health because if he's on the bench, then you have a potential dangerous looking bench. Um, but like if he's playing, I like. What I don't think he should start, like. right? Like, do you start him? I wouldn't. I would start Derek White. And yeah. bring Malcolm Brogdon to run the second unit. You yeah. Know, because Malcolm Brogdon then is in a position, again, playing with weaker defenders potentially um, mm. with the unit, you know, and then playing in crunch time with your Tatum, your Brown, your Horford, because then you have a guy who can bring the ball up as that third guy, because mm. especially when Jalen Brown starts coughing it up, Malcolm Brogdon gets you in your offense and he can make you pay without having to be the primary or secondary person. I would agree. Um, next up on my list. I've got this might be kind of high to folks, but I think it's super interesting and super big because it kind of signaled the Lillard extension, right? 
Jeremy Grant, his Team USA guy, um, traded finally from the Pistons. He was not moved to the deadline. A lot of folks are kind of surprised. Um, he's rumored to the Hawks. He's rumored to everybody at one point. Yeah, every, every, yeah Lakers. I'm just kidding. But Yeah. Well, that, that was a thing. That really was out there for a while. Um, and it was like, oh, who are they offering? Taylor Horton Tucker still. Okay, so that's still not happening. Coming. They just kept trying Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, but I think it's huge because it still signals that like, okay, they're going to go for it. Like Shaden Sharp is a huge wild card. We didn't get to see him in summer league. He got injured, unfortunately, early on. But highest offensive upside in the draft of anyone and I'm curious to see how they thread the needle. Anthony Simons really stepped up with Dame going down. Like that was a blessing in disguise for Portland where he was able to run the show with a bunch of guys who I still cannot believe are in like the, the rosters and the lineups that when I'm watching league pass and I'm like, it, like I'm doing my team of the week and the blazers were on for one of those games that week for the team I was watching. And you're like, who, what, who is on the floor right now for Portland? Like it, the people that they were putting on the floor in Portland last year was unbelievable. Um, but Jeremy Grant, I think is huge. Like this is a nut, like it's just so fascinating to trade CJ McCollum and kind of go open up space for Anthony Simons to thrive. Your young guy that you've been developing and developing, developing. And then you're like, all right, we're going to resign Nurkic. We're going to lock in Dame and we're going to trade for Jeremy Grant. Not have to give up a bunch of stuff for Jeremy Grant. So I think they're incredibly fascinating as they try and get back in the playoffs because obviously the bottom fell out. Will it be that easy for them to bounce back? Does Dame being Dame and a healthy Dame Lillard just elevate the floor where it's like they cannot not be a playoff team with just how good Dame Lillard is at this point in his career. I'm so fascinated by that and how much easier Jeremy Grant makes Dame's life uh, because they haven't really had a guy like that in a really long time. So I'm very excited like to see what he brings to Portland and how they use him. So what what do you think about Grant in Portland? I think for the price, like that's a steal, right? Mm. Um, I think that it's great that they're able to capitalize and get a player that we've seen him thrive in a secondary role or mm. tertiary role in Denver. We've seen him take on some more usage, maybe suboptimal uh, in Detroit, but Hey, he wanted to be the guy and he was uh, these teams. You saw what they were, but he was able to show some on ball juice, kind of create his own offense, that sort of player. We know what he brings from a defensive standpoint. You know what he brings in with his length, his athleticism being in his prime, still being a young player relatively given the amount of years he's been in the league. And so you look at that and this guy's had like three different like careers already. You know, he was a young wingman uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder with Russ, you know, starting up. And then he's had this time in Denver and Detroit. And now he's going to be paired along with Dame Lillard. So it's going to be interesting to see how he blends in alongside, like you said, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, uh, you know, a use of Nurkic. These guys are returning. Uh, Josh Hart. All that being said, I don't know. Like, what, what does that what does that get you? Like, I, I think there's questions on all of it. Like, Anthony Simons mm. broke out last year. If we remember, though, there was no Dame Lillard for most of that. So mm. he had complete autonomy on the ball. There wasn't C.J. McCollum either, mm. right? Um, we didn't really have a lot of a functioning Portland Trailblazer roster, hence why they finished where they did in the draft. Mm. So that was a thing as well. Dame come back from injury, I think, is a one rock-solid bet. Yusuf Nurkic, I think, will be okay. I don't like that contract long-term, but for next year, it shouldn't be bad. Shaden Sharp is a question mark. Josh Hart's a solid player, but not someone that you're like, oh, wow, yep, that's the team right there. That's a three-seed. Like, mm. you're not saying that. You know, so now you got a bunch of decent to, to good players and Dame Lillard, uh, depending on how you feel about Jeremy Grant. And, I mean, okay, that's been the Blazers for like six years. Decent to good players. 
and Damian Lillard, depending on how you feel about CJ McCollum. Like, it's been like that sort of unit. Like, I don't see anyone there that I'm like, okay, you know what? Wow, like, that's the best teammate that Dame has had since, like, what, Jeremy Grant? It's still CJ McCollum to me. Mm. He's the best teammate, you know? Like, Jeremy yeah. Grant is a better uh, optim or more better optimized teammate, a more a more useful teammate for Dame at this stage of Dame's career, given the weaknesses of the Blazers in that front court spot, actually having a forward. But yeah. again, you're 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 asking for Anthony Simons to say, okay, I can play the same way I played last year, hopefully a step up with or without Dame. You're asking Shane Sharp to be an almost immediate contributor with Josh Hart. You're asking Yusuf Nurkic to continue doing what he does and try to stay healthy. You're asking Jeremy Grant to find the fine balance between being what you were in Detroit and what you were in Denver because Portland might need both. You know, and, and it's a lot of questions. It's a lot of questions for a team that is in the Western Conference, you know, yeah. that already has, you know, the Suns, the question marks there, but they're back. The Clippers are going to be healthy. The Mavericks are going to be there. The Pelicans. The, well, we can go all down the list of the teams that either are going to be up there or are fighting with the Blazers to be up there. And I just don't know where the Blazers land. I don't either. That's why they're so fascinating to me. Is that like, I mean, we didn't even mention Josh Hart, really. Like, he's probably started the three. And exactly. you have Nas Little, who has been a really good player. Like, Portland has been a sneaky, like, is what, what when we talk about McCollum, we talk about, like, Batum, LMA, Nurkic. I mean, Nurkic wasn't their guy, but he was still someone who they developed, and he developed this strong bond with Dame Lillard. And you go up and down the list, Anthony Simons is a huge hit for them. Like, that was a huge wild card. Like, he was mm-hmm. in that Bruno Caboclo zone where he's two years away from being two years away. And now he's an important player uh, for this group. So, they have done a real – they're definitely one of the best developing teams around the NBA. And they deserve, I think, the benefit of the doubt with this kind of stuff, I think. Um, so, I, they're like one of those teams where I'm like, mm, I'm going to bet on Shaden Sharp because they haven't really missed. Like Zach Collins was mostly injuries. If they miss on somebody, it's because they can't stay healthy. Like that just seems like where they miss. Like Brandon Roy, unfortunately, with his health and everything else. But like if you're healthy in Portland, they develop you. Like Nas Little has become a really good player for them. And I'm sure Jeremy Grant's going to be used extremely well. Josh Hart will be fun for them. But I think they have eight or nine guys in this rotation that I like. Gary Payton Jr. I thought was a great signing. That will help a lot. Um, I don't know. I think Shane Sharp will be able to get uh, brought along slowly, but I think the Blazers are a playing team at the very least if they're healthy. So I'm curious to see if Jeremy Grant has like an all-star type year in Portland, because I think he's going to have a huge role because he wanted to be that guy, right? Like he wanted the high usage. He wanted that. But I think with him and Dame, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities because a lot of those lineups is Josh Hart in the corner, uh, Gary Payton, who is not going for a shot, and Yusuf Nurkic on uh, pick and rolls. So like that's it's going to be a lot of opportunities for Jeremy Grant to create on his own. And I'm curious to see what that looks like. Right. Right. Like I, I want to know <laughs> the top two, which will not be a surprise. I don't think to you, Corbin. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I went back and forth on which was number one and which was number two. OK. I ended up with DeJounte Murray at number two. I I'm with that. I have that as well in my own personal rankings. I want to put them one because I think the best case scenario, and the reason I went back and forth on this between him and Gobert, mm-hmm. if DeJounte works, the ceiling is significantly higher in Atlanta than Minnesota. If everything works in Minnesota, they still can't win the title. So like, even if that's a great thing, it's still going to be waiting on Anthony Edwards two years from now, I think. Like, Anthony Edwards could be the best player in basketball in two to three years. Could be. Now, if that's what happens, that changes stuff. 
I don't think Gobert is going to be the final piece to them becoming a true contender. I think he is the final piece to them being a pl- like a serious playoff threat where they win a bunch of regular season games. Like I will be surprised if Minnesota doesn't finish in the top four in the West. If they win less than 50 games, that would blow my mind. <laughs> Atlanta, though, DeJounte Murray and Trey, like that's two potentially first team, second team all NBA guys in the backcourt. And with the way this league is played now, you have two all-star guards in their prime with two very different skill sets. Like if that marriage goes well, we already saw Trey get to the Eastern Conference Finals without that other guy. If DeJounte is that right, I mean, ice and fire type thing, then look, man, like the Hawks are a contender in the East. We just saw the Celtics get through with their two young guns and their two wings and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That can absolutely happen for DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. That being said, I think I'm more concerned about that pairing than I'm concerned about Gobert, Towns, and Edwards in Minnesota. So that's why I have them at number two. I am more concerned about this fit and how it actually translates to the court. I'm not worried about how it translates in Minnesota. What do you think about it before I, I talk about DeJounte? No, I almost want you to gush about DeJounte because I don't want to say your 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 Atlanta um, background is showing here because I do think DeJounte Murray is going to be a good fit for Atlanta. You know, you needed some guy who's going to cover um, – I mean, let's face it. The Hawks hide Trey Young with defense like yeah. all the time. And now it's a little easier to do so with someone who can not only take some of that load off of from the defensive standpoint but also can – run some of the offense as well, maybe mm-hmm. make trade dangerous off ball, maybe run some second units if they stagger. Whatever the case may be, DeJounte Murray's the better fit there. The guy's 25 mm-hmm. on a great contract. Just was an all-star last year. Triple-double threat, as we've seen. So, no, you are getting a tremendous piece. However, I think there are question marks. Is DeJounte Murray, I mean, was an all-star last year, running the show for the Spurs. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen in Atlanta. Like, if it is happening, that's because something's going wrong because it's Trey Young's team. Like, that's what it is, right? He's not a great shooter. So you're playing off the ball because Trey Young is, but you're you're not. That's not really his forte right now. Mm. So the fifth there on the offensive end can be a little clunky. Also, when you have teams that, let's face it, Dejounte might have to play some of the three, you know, because you got to put Trey on somebody. And you know, if there's if there's a team like let's say the Bucks, mm. you know, if you're playing Drew Holiday, you know, uh, one of your bigger shooting guards, and let's say Chris Middleton. Yeah, maybe you could put, you know, Drew, maybe you could hide Trey Young on like a Grayson Allen or someone like that. But if they go big, you know, you have Portis and Giannis and um, Middleton and, and, and I already mentioned um, Drew Holiday and one of those mm. guys. Well, now, yeah, you're hiding, you know, your, your one player in terms of um, Trey Young, but now you have to find a way to not have. Um, DeJounte Murray on bigger wings. And yes, Chris Milton isn't the example in that way because I actually think he'll hold up well against a Milton type. I don't think he'll hold up well against a Clippers team, you know, hmm. with a Kawhi and a PG because you had a point guard, whether it's Reggie Jackson or John Wall, Trey's going to have to guard that guard. You know, that's it. He's not guarding either of the other two. So now DeJounte is. You're mm-hmm. giving up a lot from a physicality standpoint and from a size standpoint. Even though Jonathan's a good defender, he's overmatched for that position. So I think there's some positional wonkiness that could potentially occur. Somehow I stumbled my way into saying what I meant to say. That being said, I do like what it does for Atlanta in terms of making a better team. That is without question in my mind. I think it just remains to be seen how that looks. Um, Meanwhile, for Minnesota and Utah with their trade, like Minnesota got the play they wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, Rudy Gobert, 
three-time defensive player of the year. You know what he does on the defensive end, almost single-handedly making a defense that has, you know, uh, past his prime, um, Mike Conley and a defensively inept Donovan Mitchell look semi-decent, you mm-hmm. know, because he was able to clean their mistakes consistently. Um, a guy who on the offensive end was was a, a useful piece for the Jazz and one of the reasons they were above, you know, around the top ranks uh, in NBA efficiency or NBA offensive rating over the last couple of seasons. So you're getting a player who's going to fit in well, and now you have better personnel around you, you know. Uh, D'Angelo Russell made major improvements last year defensively. Mm-hmm. So did Anthony Edwards. So less mistakes potential to clean up. Carlton Towns in a position now where he can probably be hidden a little bit, you know, on on a on a on a worse um, front court offensive player, which will allow Rudy Gobert to do what he does best and thrive defensively and offensively. You know, you have mm-hmm. D'Lo and Anthony Edwards being able to run pick and roll, pick and pop. You know, alternatively with Gobert and and with Towns. And if Ant, if Ant's doing it, look out because he can do either or. Or he can create off the, off the dribble off of either. So mm. you have some weapons, you have some versatility. I think my issue is just all of the picks because that's a lot of picks for a 30-year-old who is going to be under contract through 2025 with the player option that he will definitely pick up in 2026. So you're looking at paying the years 30 to 35 for Rudy Gobert. Not sure how that looks. Been a durable player, but again, not sure how that looks. Also, you gave up what? Malik Beasley, Patrick mm. Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler. Mm. Walt Kessler is another fresh on pick, just got drafted. But Jan Vanderbilt's been a garbage guy for the Wolves mm. for the last couple of years. Malik Beasley's been a sharpshooter for Minnesota, much needed. In fact, you would argue they need more shooting. I don't know. He's pretty years. bad last year. Malik Beasley was not a good player for them last year. Uh, well, you know what? I, as, a, as a total player, no. I still think he's a solid three-point shooter. Like, he, at the bare minimum, you're getting – What did he like, shoot last year from three? I want to say 36. Let me check. Was it? Maybe, I feel like it was lower. Maybe he was lower from more of the year. Let what me check. It? 37. Okay. 37.7% from three. Okay. So, like, you know, he had, a, he had a rough year, but the spacing or, or even yeah. not even the spacing, the threat of spacing that he provides. He's one of those guys, the numbers look better than the actual shot. You watch him go, he reminded me of KCP back like the 2018 Lakers. Like, you're a good mm. shooter. So why your numbers look like that? But even with that, the point being the threat of the shot mm. that you were getting from there. Now you have, you're going to play one less shooter on the floor. You know what I mean? Because D'Lo, Ant, um, let's say Jaden McDaniel at the three, Crosby Towns at the four, Rudy Gobert at the five. You're shooting mm. someone from two positions. It's Russell and it's Edwards, and that's it. Maybe some corner threes from McDaniels. He's grown a little bit from there, but I would hesitate to call him a shooter. My bad. I'm totally missing Crosby Towns. So your your third, the, the arguably the biggest shoot, big man shooter, the greatest ever in his own. Okay, words. hold on. We're at, hold on. In his hold own on. words. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> in his hold own on. words. Yeah. Um, I think. I, everything you said is true. And I think them being able to keep Vanderbilt was important for them or McDaniels, excuse me. Um, I think he's going to be really good for them. I don't think he's going to start. I also just don't know if like the guard stuff is settled. Like, I don't know if D'Angelo Russell is going to be their point guard for the whole season. Like, I just, I don't know if we should just pencil that in, uh, at this point. Um, like him and Edwards, I don't think that's still the ideal fit. I think Austin Rivers is a fine signing. Uh, Brent Forbes is in that roster now. So they were able to fit like Kyle Anderson, uh, sign who's always been solid. They had their eight or nine, and I've always loved Nas Reed. Like he's just a great backup, big, big Nas Reed guy. Solid. Uh, yeah, just solid. Like he's, they're going to be fine. So they're not, they didn't have to destroy all their depth. Like they still have depth going into next year. Um, but I think it still comes down to what Anthony Edwards is. Like what, does Anthony Edwards become like the playoff Anthony Edwards is a different just kind of player like that is a I mean not Michael but it's just 
he is someone who those kind of guys just don't come around very often. Like Anthony Edwards and where his ceiling is, is just, I mean, would you say based on you look around the league, like even with Luca and Trey and other guys like that, like I think there's a case to be made where like the best case scenario for any of the guys right now in this league under 27, 26, I think Edwards would still would be my number one of like the everything goes right. He's the best player of the bunch. If everything goes right for every player, right. Or am I crazy on that? No, I'm right there with you. This guy's he made major strides defensively. Look at his numbers. Almost everything. end over end was improved upon. Uh, I think he showed better uh, tact as a playmaker. Yeah. Don't need to go on and on. I agree. I mean, it's the defense like Luca and Trey can never be that. And I think Anthony can be that two way force that like Chris Finch, I think got a lot out of him last year. I think the coaching change helped there a lot, but like, Anthony Edwards is what he was born I, I, 2001. I don't like it. He's 20. Like this man that. is, or did he just turn 21 or no? He, he turned 21, 21 in August. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Like I just, he's 20 and was doing what he did in the playoffs last year. He averaged what? 21, five and five, almost like shot 35% from three that jumped up. Like you said, he went up all across the board. I just, the sky is the limit. So when people focus on like, oh, what did they gave up for Gobert? This, that, and the other. And I'm like, I think they know that like it's coming pretty quick for Anthony Edwards. And they need vets in the building that they can count on and that, that can get them those 51 to make life easier for Anthony Edwards. Because like the Twin Towers down low with Towns and Gobert is just going to be really fun and really dominant and really just be a different kind of way of destroying teams. But I also just think that like, Anthony Edwards at 20 is already just (laughs) he is going to be a superstar and everything comes down to that. So I think when people really, really fret about the picks and everything else, like who cares? You got Anthony Edwards who really just might be the best player in basketball in two to three years. Like the Gobert picks do not matter if that's the case. Like that, that's where I land on that. I I can get that. I can get behind that. I mean, I I still think that's a lot of your future tied up, you know, a lot of your future. Let's say Ant, you know, fall, but if you don't make that move out. for Gobert, who would you have done it for? Like, who was available that would have made sense that they could have taken a big swing on to make sure that they are a Western Conference contender next year? Well, honestly, I think you could have done the same if you'd made a less big swing and got Jeremy Grant. I'm not sure if that was hmm. available, but I mean, for the price to give pretty much the same type of defensive versatility, yeah, not the same rim protection, but for right. a fraction of the price to bring that as well as some offensive versatility at the fourth spot, I would have done that. Aside hmm. from that, I get you. I think you're right. Uh, Jonte Murray cost a bunch, and also, I mean, he could be a successor. I like him as a fit with Ant better than I do D'Lo and Ant. Yeah, but I don't know if that makes you a championship contender. But then again, I don't know if this makes you a championship. But that also like, takes a lot from Ant, right? Like you don't want to take away his usage. You don't want to bring exactly. in somebody like Dejounte who has a high usage rate. Like you want to make sure the backcourt is like, hey, Ant, this is your your jam. We're gonna stockpile the front court, but like. You run the backcourt. This is your show. Yeah. That's why I think D'Angelo is is, um, expendable now. Like, I just – I don't think he's long for this this roster. I I mean, maybe not. I think he's on for this team. I think he's on for this Hmm. year, rather. I just don't – I don't see a market right now for him right now for that contract. Maybe the Lakers. I don't like a team that is like, hey, we definitely need a point guard Mm. and we want, like, that expiring contract. You know, the teams that don't have a point guard – they're looking at Wimbanyama. They're not really thinking about a point guard. You know what I mean? The teams that do, aside from the Lakers, 
Mm. I don't have one that comes to the top of my mind. So I do think maybe if you don't extend him, he goes in a free agency next year. But I think you have him this year. But with that being said, I still agree with you. I just think maybe given what Gobert is, and yes, he is a very good defensive player, but there are some limitations, I wouldn't have backed up the entire Brinks truck. If that's mm. what it took to do it, I would have tried to haggle over maybe a couple of pick swaps. I don't know. I'm just saying it's a lot of your future given away. For that type of player who is not 26, 27, 28, 29, you're paying for the back end. Absolutely. Mm. Whatever that back end looks like could be, you know, maybe not as bad, but you're paying for it. Exactly. Well, in on this, what was your one through seven? Like, how did it differ from that that one through seven for me? It's funny. I had KCP to Denver number seven. Mm. I had eight and number six. Okay. Um, I had um brogdon number five herder number four. Oh wow yeah i i just liked the addition that like boston didn't need mm. brogdon whereas i think sacramento needed a player like herder okay um and then it was grant Dejounte gobert okay. so yeah I, when i looked at it, i was like okay what like moves were made that it's like, okay this team said hey we need this player like for boston it was like a rich got richer type situation yeah not that it's more important but for sacramento okay we're trying to make a playoff run mm. we have a big hole in our wing rotation that hole is filled by a player that is not going to man a lot of usage, can shoot consistently from three, can play defense with size. That's why. I like it. I like it. Corbin, welcome back to the pod. This was fun, man. <laughs> it was, man. I missed it. I thank you for having me back on. I'm looking forward to getting back on as we get this thing rolling soon. Well, soon being another month and a half of the NBA season, but you know how it goes. Oh, yeah. There's stuff coming up. We'll we'll have stuff to talk about. Previews to talk about. We have we have stuff coming down the pike. That's we'll be true. all right. That is true. Um, what can you uh, what can the good folks check out from you this week? What, what can we look out for you on on that front? What, what do you want to plug, man? Um, you know, thank you. So, I mean, honestly, this show, check it out. I mean, come on, Chase Thomas is doing <laughs> yeah. this all the time, like <laughs> literally every day. So check out the Chase Thomas podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely make sure that. Um, I'm go- I, t- I took a little bit of a break for my own show, Ramble Ramble. Um, okay. I do have another show, though. Um, one, it's it's the PHNX Mercury show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so PHNX, all city media, all of the Arizona teams, the Mercury being one of them. So we just dropped an episode uh, yesterday. Mm. Uh, they not only covered the Brittany Griner situation and the updates there, but also looking at the Commissioner's Cup for the WNBA, looking at the Mercury's recent stretch of wins playing small ball. They won again tonight against the Sparks and how that success has rolled through. Uh, some hot takes by yours truly. Pretty good. And then also tomorrow, I have another podcast I do. Uh, my host called Let's Make Moves, all about NBA transactions. And that's funny. I'm only talking about the Gobert and the and the um, DeJounte Murray trade. So just breaking those two down with my own thoughts um, as we kind of wait for further leaves to fall in the form of Russell Westbrook and or Donovan Mitchell. So, yeah, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. There you go. There you go. Corbin, thank you as always, my friend, and uh, I will talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. All right, y'all. That'll do it for part three here on a Friday July 29th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast. Thank you again to Corbin for coming on uh, the podcast and talking all things NBA. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. If you did, please, please, please make sure you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if that is indeed how you listen to this program. New episodes every single day here on the Chase Most Podcast. So look out for that. Make sure you're subscribed so that you never miss an episode. And as always, thank you for making the Chase Thomas Podcast part of your daily listen, wherever and however you listen to the show. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, email uh, the show at Podcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas. And like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right. I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. Uncle Derek, how'd I do?
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.